Hello, friends. What a joy it is to spend time together with fellow partakers of the Word of Life. Today is December 24th, Christmas Eve, and it prompts us to give thanks to God that He loved the world in such a way as to provide a perfect rescue for a hopelessly lost human race by sending His Son to deliver us from the righteous condemnation and death that our sins deserved. As you may be celebrating Christmas in various parts of the world, you may remember that our sinful condition is the reason for this season. The angel Gabriel told Joseph regarding his fiancée, the Virgin Mary, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is why he came, to be the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world, our perfect substitute, satisfying God's demands for righteousness on our behalf. He is our Savior. The eternal Son of God became a man, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the great grace of forgiveness of sins, His righteousness imputed to our account, adoption into His forever family. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. This gift of reconciling peace is offered to all, but only those who respond to God's grace and put their trust in Christ's saving work will experience the peace that is promised. Jesus comes for all, but not all respond to and benefit from His coming. Therefore, our Christmas wish is that every heart will prepare Him room, that the Christ who was born in Bethlehem just over 2,000 years ago would be born in the hearts of men and women today. My name is David McAdam, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide Podcast, where we read through the entire Bible aloud and offer a commentary to help you see how the 66 books of the Bible fit together into one cohesive whole, making known the good news of Jesus Christ. We are continuing to read from the prophet Zechariah today and the book of Revelation. We will read Zechariah chapters 6 and 7 and Revelation chapter 15. So let's go to the Old Testament first by reading Zechariah chapter 6. Zechariah chapter 6 and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. A Vision of Four Chariots Again I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, four chariots came out from between two mountains, and the mountains were mountains of bronze. The first chariot had red horses, the second black horses, the third white horses, and the fourth chariot dappled horses, all of them strong. Then I answered and said to the angel who talked with me, What are these, my Lord? And the angel answered and said to me, These are going out to the four winds of heaven, after presenting themselves before the Lord of all the earth. The chariot with the black horses goes toward the north country, the white ones go after them, and the dappled ones go toward the south country. When the strong horses came out, They were impatient to go and patrol the earth. And he said, Go, patrol the earth. So they patrolled the earth. Then he cried to me, Behold, those who go toward the north country have set my spirit at rest in the north country. The Crown and the Temple And the word of the Lord came to me, Take from the exiles Heldai, Tobijah, and Jediah, who have arrived from Babylon, and go the same day to the house of Josiah, the son of Zephaniah. Take from them silver and gold, and make a crown, and set it on the head of Joshua, 
the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and say to him, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, for he shall branch out from his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. It is he who shall build the temple of the Lord, and shall bear royal honor, and shall sit and rule on his throne, and there shall be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both, and the crown shall be in the temple of the Lord as a reminder to Helam, Tobijah, Jediah, and Hen, the son of Zephaniah. And those who are far off shall come and help to build the temple of the Lord, and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. And this shall come to pass, if you will diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. Chapter 7 A Call for Justice and Mercy In the fourth year of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month, which is Chislev. Now the people of Bethel had sent Sharezer and Regem-Melech and their men to entreat the favor of the Lord, saying to the priests of the house of the Lord of hosts and the prophets, Should I weep and abstain in the fifth month, as I have done for so many years? Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, Say to all the people of the land and the priests, When you fasted and mourned in the fifth month and in the seventh, for these seventy years, was it for me that you fasted? And when you eat and when you drink, do you not eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? Were not these the words that the Lord proclaimed by the former prophets, when Jerusalem was inhabited and prosperous, with her cities around her, and the south and the lowland were inhabited? And the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor, and let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. But they refused to pay attention, and turned a stubborn shoulder, and stopped their ears that they might not hear. They made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the law and the words that the Lord of hosts had sent by his Spirit through the former prophets. Therefore great anger came from the Lord of hosts. As I called, and they would not hear, so they called, and I would not hear says the Lord of hosts. And I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations that they had not known. Thus the land they left was desolate, so that no one went to and fro, and the pleasant land was made desolate. And this concludes our reading from today's portion from the Old Testament, from the book of Zechariah. The sixth chapter began with a vision of four chariots drawn by horses, each chariot was drawn by horses of a specific color. The first was drawn by red horses, the second by black horses, the third white, and the fourth dappled. Each one represents spirits or angels deployed by the God of heaven to different parts of the world to do His bidding. During the day of the Lord, judgments will be brought to the earth. The symbolism here resembles what we saw in the book of Revelation and the four horsemen of the Apocalypse. In the eighth vision, Zechariah was instructed to perform a symbolic act. He was to crown Joshua the high priest. Joshua would be a type, a stand-in, representing the future Messiah. He prophesied that this man would have the combined office of both priest and king 
and would build the temple of the Lord. How do we know these men are symbols? From chapter 3, verse 8. Now listen, Joshua, the high priest, you and your friends who are sitting in front of you. Indeed, they are men who are a symbol. For behold, I am going to bring in my servant the branch. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 8. Jesus is our great high priest and king. And he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Zechariah is to take gold and silver from the newly arrived exiles from Babylon, Heldai, Topijah, and Jediah, and go to the house of Josiah, the son of Zephaniah, and make a crown. Then he is to set it on the head of Joshua. This must have been a shock to them, as the materials were most likely dedicated to the temple. But God wanted them to be used to symbolize one who would be greater than the temple, the King of Kings. Then say to him, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold a man whose name is Branch, for he will branch out from where he is, and he will build the temple of the Lord. This is a prophetic announcement that a priest who will mediate peace with God will be on the throne. Yes, it is he who will build the temple of the Lord, and he who will bear the honor and sit and rule on his throne. Thus he will be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace will be between the two offices. Zechariah chapter 6, verse 13. Jesus is both the just king and the justifier of sinful mankind. The fact that Joshua the priest is crowned, and not Zerubbabel, a descendant of David, safeguards the significance of a new order for the Messiah of king and priest, after the order of Melchizedek. The crown is to be placed in Zerubbabel's temple as a reminder to those who brought silver and gold that Israel's king is coming. Almost two years later, the word of the Lord comes again to Zechariah in chapter 7, verse 1. There was only one period appointed for fasting according to the law of Moses. That was on the Day of Atonement. But during the captivity in Babylon, they had added other fasts to commemorate their humiliation in the destruction of Jerusalem and Solomon's temple. The Lord first calls them to consider their motives. He reiterates what He expressed through the pre-exilic prophets such as Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah chapter 58. Don't think your outward consecration and piety can cover your desire to pursue the kingdom of self. Instead, demonstrate you are in a right relationship with God by doing right to others. This is the fast that God has chosen. We learned about that in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 5. In Zechariah chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, Thus has the Lord of hosts said, Dispense true justice and practice kindness and compassion each to his brother, and do not oppress the widow or the orphan, the stranger or the poor, and do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. He reminds them that it was because of their hard-hearted disobedience to God's word that caused their scattering and captivity. We should humbly ask ourselves, are we truly doing our service for the Lord or for self-aggrandizement and self-glory? Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour, the New Testament, Book of Revelation, Chapter 15, The Seven Angels with Seven Plagues. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last. 
for with them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. After this I looked, and the sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven was opened, and out of the sanctuary came seven angels with seven plagues, clothed in pure, bright linen, with golden sashes around their chests. And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives for ever and ever. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from His power, and no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. And this concludes our reading from today's portion from the New Testament, from the Revelation of Jesus Christ. In chapter 15, John sees another sign. This is the sixth of the seven signs shown to him during the interval between the sixth and the seventh trumpet judgments. This time he sees seven angels with seven plagues with which to complete the judgment of the wrath of God. He is going to thoroughly sweep the threshing floor. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 12, we read, His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 31 and 32, we read, It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God, but remember the former days, when after being enlightened you endured a great conflict of sufferings. He sees something like a sea of glass mixed with fire. He sees the victorious saints standing beside the sea, with harps in their hands, singing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. We can hear the echo of earlier songs of praise as they glorify God, such as Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 3 and 4, Job chapter 37, verse 5, Psalm 11, verse 2, and Psalm 145, verse 17. Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God, the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Revelation chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. Worshippers in heaven recognize the glorious manifestation of justice and mercy taking place at the climax of history. Their unadulterated worship challenges our dullness and blindness to things as they are and as they will be. After this, he has another vision, the seventh in the series of seven. The seven angels with the seven plagues come out of the heavenly sanctuary tent, the tabernacle of the testimony, the presence of the Lord. They are clothed in bright linen with golden sashes around their chests. One of the four living creatures gives the seven bowls full of the wrath of God to the seven angels. Then smoke fills the temple, making it impossible for anyone to enter until the seven plagues are poured out on the earth. 
We have seen throughout the Old Testament these moments when the smoke or cloud of glory fills the tabernacle or temple, and no man can enter. Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 and 35, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 1 through 4. This emphasizes that there is no room for man to add to or take away from what God is doing. All is for His glory alone. Now let's move on to today's reading from the book of Psalms. Psalm 143 My soul thirsts for you. A Psalm of David. Psalm 143 Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness answer me. In your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me to know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love you will cut off my enemies, and you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul, for I am your servant. This is the seventh and last of the penitential psalms, in which the writer recognizes that one's suffering can be God's means of bringing discipline for one's sin. The seven penitential psalms are Psalm 6, Psalm 32, 38, 51, 102, 130, and 143. This is a prayer of the Lord's servant in Psalm 143, verse 12, who is overwhelmed, oppressed, and crushed in spirit. He recognizes his need for God's mercy. He recognizes God is holy, and there is no man living who is righteous. And do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no man living is righteous. Psalm 143, verse 2. He resolves to meditate upon the character and the works of the Lord. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your doings. I muse on the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul longs for you as a parched land. Psalm 143, verses 5 and 6. Here is a practical prayer for us all. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For the sake of your name, O Lord, revive me. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. These words encourage us to remain humble, attentive, and teachable. We are asking the Spirit of Truth to lead us on the level ground of Calvary, to recognize that we have been crucified with Christ, bought with a price, and therefore as His bondservants we present ourselves as surrendered and available vessels to do His will in the power of His indwelling resurrection life. 
This kind of daily renewal, in which we remain honest with Christ's finished work of righteousness, will bring our souls out of trouble. Now for our final stop, we go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 30, verses 24 through 28. Four things on earth are small, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer. The rock badgers are a people not mighty, yet they make their homes in the cliffs. The locusts have no king, yet all of them march in rank. The lizard you can take in your hands, yet it is in the king's palaces. These verses focus on four things that are small, but according to God's design are exceedingly wise. The wisdom of the ant is displayed by its forethought and diligence to prepare and store its food for the future. The wisdom of the rock badgers, the Shephanim, Hyraxes, Conies, as it's translated elsewhere, is its ability to find a place of security in the rocks. The wisdom of the locust consists of its organization, cooperation, and order, so that when massed together, it becomes a force for human beings to reckon with. The wisdom of the lizard is its elusiveness and boldness. The idea here is that we can learn from God's creation order that wisdom is to be valued over size or numerical strength. Get wisdom and plan wisely. Lord Jesus, let your Holy Spirit lead me into the truth of Calvary. It is there we meet on level ground. It is there where your justice and mercy meet, and by virtue of your atoning sacrifice, they both find full satisfaction. In your righteousness, you have rescued us from a state of condemnation and spiritual death. By the power of your grace, you have raised us to life. May we live in an ongoing state of revival, fully yielded to your Spirit, and actively obeying your Holy Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. This concludes today's segment of our one-year Bible reading tour. I pray that you will have a blessed Christmas wherever you are and that your hearts will be full of gratitude for God's indescribable gift of deliverance from our hell-bent path to destruction. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray and turned to our own way, but the Lord has laid upon Him the iniquity of us all. His name shall be Jesus, and He shall save His people from their sins. Thank God for the good news of great joy which will be for all the people. I trust you and yours will have the right response to God's Son, who is no longer a child in the manger, but is the risen, ascended, and glorified Lord of all. He is the Savior of the world, offering forgiveness of sins and eternal life to all who are willing to be turned from their bondage to the service of self and sin, and put their full trust in who He has revealed Himself to be and what He has done on our behalf. Truly, if this is your story, you will have a Merry Christmas. So God willing, we'll be with you on Christmas Day for our next installment of the Bible Reading Tour. And I want to encourage you to invite friends to join you on a one-year Bible reading tour next year. Let us encourage each other in this healthy regimen. May you be filled with the Holy Spirit this day and days to come, knowing the one whose name is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. Shalom.